Film Fanatics. From the silver screen to your earphones. With Alan Azulay and Gal Balaban. Welcome back to Film Fanatics, where we talk about the movies that have us obsessed, excited, and inspired. I'm Alan. And I'm Gal. In this week's episode, we're reviewing DC's and Dwayne Johnson's lifelong passion project, Black Adam. And we're also reflecting on a favorite of our guests. We're being joined by Eric Sigmund, also known as Sigmund Cinema on Instagram and the head of the Sigmund Cinema podcast. How are you today? Hey, how y'all doing? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming, man. Uh, do you guys want to start with the trades where we talk about a little bit of the news this week? So first of all, something that uh, um, if, you, if you listen to the show, you know how much we love uh, this particular franchise. Uh, Creed, the new Creed trailer came out uh, for uh, Creed 3. Uh, very excitingly directed by Michael B. Jordan, which um, I'm, again, very excited about. And I, man, I love this trailer. What did you guys think? Yeah, Lee, I think I'm one of the few. I love the, the first Creed, but I'm one of the few who actually liked the second one better. Ooh. Ooh. And that's not taking anything away from the first one because the first one was great. It's just something about the second one that it just hit a little better for me. I don't know. But um, Creed 3, um, like you mentioned, it's going to be directed by and the directorial debut for uh, Michael B. Jordan. And that's a tall order because this is, um, you know, the Rocky franchise is a coveted franchise. If you're familiar with the series, it's kind of like they combined um, Clubber Lane and Drago together for this new new villain i think there was like a theory for a long time was jonathan major is going to be clubber lang's son because they had drago's son for creed too but it seems like it's a completely new character yeah that's um what i heard too would have been interesting but i'm kind of glad they didn't go that would have been lazy especially after the second one it would have been kind of the same thing yeah but i'm i definitely understand why you prefer creed 2 i maybe would give the first one a hair but it's close for me i think the second one's the only one i saw in theaters yeah, it's pretty close for me too. Like I, I also prefer the first one, but again, it's not by much. Uh, they're two fantastic movies, and uh, I, I did watch both of them in the at the theater, and it was like, especially Creed One, was like an unbelievable experience. Let go of whatever was and walk into what is. I feel those chains are breaking. Yeah, I fear God. I don't fear death. I see those streets and chains. DC's already been announcing more than just uh, the movie that they have out this weekend. Uh, so seems like we're finally getting more news on a Superman movie, uh, Man of Steel 2, because like Batman v Superman was Man of Steel 1.5, I guess. Um, for a while, Christopher McQuarrie was attached to write a Superman movie, and I don't know where that still stands now. But yeah, they're still looking for like more writers and a director. Yeah, that was killed by uh, Hamada and Jeff Jones, I think. Of course. Uh, they liked killing good ideas, so <laughs> why not? Uh, but um, that actually sounds like the best option. I'm not sure that that's what we're going to get because it's still DC and it's still WB. So I'm still hoping for the worst possible option to, to be the one that we get. <laughs> but... Um, but I'm excited, man. He's my favorite Superman, and like I feel like he needs, he needs his own movie. He like he played his this character for so long. He went through so much shit with the fans, 
um <laughs> but now everyone backs him and everyone loves him and everyone wants him back and i feel like he i feel like he he should get he should um he should get it i feel like uh we should get some decent writers in here because that's usually the problem with this big superhero movies is the script no matter which version of justice league that you watch um cavill's role is essentially uh extended cameo yeah batman v superman somebody actually did um a line count a dialogue count and he doesn't have a lot of lines in the movie which is interesting i think somebody said 200 lines or something which is not a lot for basically the the second lead he's only the second lead yeah i think uh it's long overdue and like you said, the, the Warner Brothers, the Warner Brothers debacle. That's a shame when you have to say that, but it's true. You expect the worst outcome because of the decision makers. But I think it's getting better. Um, seems to be, but you just hope for the best. If that's just me, I'm just optimistic. <laughs> Superman's all about hope, I guess. So I'm hoping this time will be different. The second news that came out, kinda, is that James Gunn has like a secret movie that he's doing. I'm honestly down for whatever, just because both Peacemaker and The Suicide Squad were just um, my two favorite DCEU things so far. So I'm hyped for whatever he does. Yeah, it's, uh, man, is James Gunn like the most powerful filmmaker in comic book movies? Because he's still doing um, Guardians 3, right? Yeah, it's coming out in May. Yeah, and now he, he has two major. And the holiday special, it's coming out. He's the Christmas. only person in Hollywood that got canceled and got a better better career after being canceled. Yeah, he got a promotion, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe here's me being optimistic again. Uh, James Gunn is doing the Superman, the Man of Steel project. That was actually, Ooh. rumor has that he was first offered a Superman project before he said, I want to do Suicide Squad 2. But you never know. Maybe uh, what goes around comes around and he he wants to do it. The next one is about a franchise that I never watched. Um, The the Conjuring 4 is announced to be in the works. Uh, Did you guys watch that? uh, The first three, I guess. I've seen the first three, but I haven't. I only got to them this year. I was like sick one day and the first two were on Netflix. So I, I watched those. And then I saw The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Horrible title. Which was not that great. Especially, like, you could tell that it wasn't James Wan anymore. And I felt like he made it unique. And I've never gotten to the Annabelle or the Nun movies. But yeah, the the first one is the best one, The Conjuring. The second one is gave us one of the series' most memorable characters with The Nun. And I agree. Um, the third one is just, you can tell, that's amazing. You can tell when a filmmaker is not present. It definitely, um, Juan, James Juan is missed for that third yeah. one. I actually like one and two equally. I think they're both pretty fun. Um, yeah, this, um, yeah, two is still good. I definitely liked it. Yeah, so I don't know. I thought after the third one, I was like, okay, they can just leave it. Uh, but I do like Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga in the movies together. Is there a director attached? No, but I know Michael Chavez, who did Conjuring 3, is now doing The Nun 2, which, I mean, how, they're trying to make the most money they can out of this. How on earth is the 
is the Conjuring universe in better shape than the DC universe over <laughs> Warner Brothers? How how is that possible? That's that's a, that's a shame to say, but yeah, you're right. So let's move on to our uh, beloved segment, Total Recall, where we talk about, um, you know, if movies had came out a while ago, still hold up today. And we love to bring on uh, a favorite film, one of the favorite films of our guest at the time. And we chose The Crow from 1994, which um, is still one of your favorite movies, right? Something you're going to get to know about me. I just love movie trivia. So as you know, with The Crow, unfortunately, Brandon Lee passed away filming it. So Brandon Lee's double to um, shoot the scenes for when he passed away was Chad Gillespie. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> Chad started out as a stuntman back in the day, and he was um, he doubled for Brandon Lee. And um, and for Keanu in The Matrix. Uh, yep. And he, he has a fantastic career as um, a stunt, stuntman. So um, one scene that is Chad for sure is when um, – the character of Eric Draven is putting on a makeup. That's not Brandon Lee. That's Chad. Ooh. Ooh. For me, it felt yeah. pretty seamless. So some background. I did movie. not notice it, honestly, which is so weird because we're going to talk about this in Black Adam, but there was a CGI head that stuck out like a sore thumb and it's <laughs> 2022 and they oh, managed to do also. it in 1994. The, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's true. Yeah, face replacement uh, was one of the first uses of face replacement in um, The Crow, which is still pretty good if you don't know where it's set. And I mean, even if you do, but. So um, a bit about this movie. This movie came out in 1994 and was directed by Alex Proyas, who also directed iRobot with Will Smith. Uh, the movie has 84% on Rotten Tomatoes and made about $94 million back in the day. And also has three sequels in a TV series, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TV series isn't that bad. It stars Mark DeCascos. Um, it's oh. okay. Um, nothing special. He was great in John Wick 3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that connection that um, the Chad and... But, yeah, the movie, um, um, Brandon Lee would have definitely been a star after this. But... The movie itself yeah. is simple, straightforward. It's Alex Proyas is one of the more underrated directors. You mentioned iRobot. I loved his super underrated movie called Knowing. And um, there's another movie called Dark City, which is um, another great movie by him. But um, yeah, back to The Crow. It's based on a comic. I don't know if you're all familiar with it. But... I think it's a fantastic movie. If so, Brandon Lee, who was a fantastic, was a fantastic martial artist, doesn't depend on his martial arts skill for the movie. He acts in this movie, and he does a great job acting. And that's all he ever wanted to be. Growing up in the shadow of Bruce Lee, you know, and he decided to go that route. But uh, I hope I'm not too long-winded. But I think the story is fantastic. Cinematography is a one. Uh, the score, I think this movie has um, a superb score, um, especially with the, the Crow theme. And the song score is great, too, with um, The Cure. The song that's playing when he's putting on his makeup is one of my favorites. But, um, yeah, I think I'm being too long-winded. Just let me know if I am. No, like, it's exciting for us to have you here for this one. 
because I don't know about Gal, but I'm most, almost 100% sure that neither of us has had watched it I watched until it. this weekend. I watched it because we were bringing you on and I looked at like, I know you had like a five star movie list. And so I figured like The Crow would be a great one to watch for the first time. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this, um, show my age a bit. Uh, I saw this in theaters when it first came out. In 1994, oh. I was years old, but I saw it. In <laughs> I think it's the f- it's the first time in, in uh, here that like uh, I would. I'm also gonna say that I wasn't alive because usually Gao says he, he wasn't alive, <laughs> and I never I've never not been alive before, and this is the first time. <laughs> Except for when we did like Superman 1978. That's fair. I was <laughs> yeah, not alive so, back then. So, yeah, I wasn't alive for that one. So I'm, I'm, I'm not that old. <laughs> but Superman. I did wish I watched it in the big screen because like some of those action scenes, like they were like really big and really fun. And with like the lighting and like you said, the cinematography, like I feel like they would be fantastic to watch in the big screen. Like, yeah, especially considering it's a movie from like the 90s. We recently reviewed um, uh, Blade. Yeah. And I think the action pieces in this movie like are far superior. I actually like, told him, I think this is a better Blade. Oh, that's not... And they came out during the same time. I think yeah, I, pl- I, I, think I prefer the character of Blade, but like just yeah. because like I know him more, I guess. <laughs> but uh, as far as the movie go, uh, goes, I feel like and this one has has a little bit of the edge. I'll get that to you because um, when it comes to the Blade movies, the first Blade movie was um, good. I liked it. But I think Guillermo's Del Toro's Blade 2 is the best in the series. It's better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I definitely give you that. Um, the Crow um, over, over Blade 1. Yes, I think the main thing that holds up about this movie was actually Brandon Lee's performance. I I actually enjoyed his work quite a bit, especially there's a scene where he like uh, he gets shot through the hand and then he's just like holding up his hand and laughing. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit about I guess the coincidence that they it was the, both their last films, but it reminded me of Heath's performance as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Um, just a little bit of like the oh, it has a similar vibe, crazy unhinged sort of vibe. Uh, even though he's not like as much of an awful person the long-haired white man going crazy i guess with makeup <laughs> with makeup yeah uh, but yeah i thought the action was mostly good mostly entertaining um i thought i didn't really like the villain that much i think it was michael wincott yeah right? top dollar <laughs> yeah i think they didn't learn how to do villains until pretty recently <laughs> In superhero movies. The thing I think that holds it together with the villains of The Crow is, um, yeah, top dollar, uh, Michael Wincott was just um, nothing special, whatever. But the the henchmen, like uh, David Patrick Kelly and um, the other ones, I think they are a little bit of glue that holds them together. You had the knife-throwing guy and the druggy guy. And um, when he's uh, drugged out and he's in the office and he was telling top dollar about how the crow killed his other guy. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. When it's crazy. Yeah. No, the, the henchmen are definitely better and like way more fun than, uh, than the actual villain. He top dollar kind of reminded me of the villain from the first blade, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but 
I didn't really know him before because he kind of made a comeback because he was in Nope. He was um he was Antlers, the cinematographer, and I didn't really know much that he had oh, done. Oh really? That. I d- I did not realize that. <laughs> I, I I didn't realize it while I was watching it, but um, yeah, Michael Winkai, He's um yeah he's been around a bit. Um, he's in one of my favorite TV shows um called Twenty Four with um, Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, Jack Bauer. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's um not a memorable villain. Give you that. So it's just. Yeah, and I think, yeah. I don't know, do you think some of the editing is a little bit, because there's a shot with the crow, like, flying through the city, and sometimes it looks a little, like, doesn't hold up today with the CGI. Oh, no. I think it might just be because oh, of no. today. Because, um, yeah, and the thing about that is, because you, assuming you watch it on Blu-ray or um, some type of digital copy, right? Netflix. Yeah, now, there you go. So, um, movie like that was shot on film, and back in the day, um, there are certain uh, methods of special effects that they did. And when you when they transfer a movie to Blu-ray or 4K, sometimes those scenes show a little bit because of the process that they used. So, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like the, you can tell like the bird is like in front of a projection screen or something like that in some shots. And um, yeah, but the movie, no, I think it pulls you in enough to where it doesn't take you out of it with those. um with some of those shots yeah for sure like overall it really didn't pull me out of it that much like uh the like i didn't think there was there were like because a lot of times when we watch these action movies from back in the day we're like it's pretty easy to point out like the stuff like that was a little bit weird but like i think overall especially from a movie from 94 like holds up pretty well and i don't know how we got this far without talking about ernie hudson Oh, yeah, he's one of the best parts. He's like, he's honest. He is honestly my favorite, my favorite character in the movie, like easily. Yeah, and um, like I mentioned, the henchmen to um, top dollar. You know, these characters are a strong glue, and um, Ernie Hudson and his um, his wise cracks. When there was um, there's a scene where the crow is written. Well, there's a blood painting of the crow, and he's like, I call it blood, and you might type it up as graffiti and, <laughs> and stuff like that little silly lines and yeah. funny yeah. enough um since, oh go ahead shelly i think her name was the character's name the young girl um she never made another movie after this and that's that's weird to me but you know even she had a, an okay performance yeah gal knows how much i hate kid actors usually here <laughs> Uh, is this one an exception which is no? which is weird because i actually worked with kids but like <laughs> kid actors i have a real problem with i did not have like a bad time with her performance like it wasn't that bad like i bought her into the role like it was fine they gave her a scene i think she handled real real well it's um the scene where she goes back to the apartment and she's um she's talking to eric and saying oh you don't care and then he shows up like i care um you remember that scene? So that scene was, um, yeah. once again, not Brandon Lee. That was a reshoot. And she came back to shoot that. And I think that's a, she handled that very well. Yeah, I think yeah. especially like um, now, I mean, like that was like the inclusion of Brandon Lee with some of those scenes was pretty seamless. Like we talk about like so many people were concerned when they did Carrie Fisher in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And you look at this and uh they did it excellently yeah with the lack of technology and you know and 
the lawsuit pending. It was, it was a lot of weight on this movie to um behind the scenes and um for it to have come out as good as it did. To wrap up, uh there's been talks about a reboot happening with Bill Skarsgård. It's filming now. Ah, it's filming now? Yeah. Okay. So there you go. That's why we have Gal and not Alan. And it is being directed by Rupert Sanders, who also directed the amazing uh, Ghost in the Shell with oh, Scarlett Johansson. No. no, not not a great movie, <laughs> but you never know. Maybe this one could be better. I think the problem with the well, there was a lot of problems with that Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think screenplay, the script, is the strength of a good adaptation, and that's why I think. I don't know if I'm biased because I'm a huge fan of the original Ghost in the Shell, but with these things, you gotta you gotta know the um the I guess the intellectual property or whatever you call it. You gotta get that script right. Speaking of, I'm gonna give you some good news. I went to look who the scriptwriter is, and his name is Zach Bailing, oh. and he wrote King Richard, Creed three, um, and if it's Zach Bailing, we're Skull. in good hands. Like he he wrote one of the best movies of 2021 in King Richard, and the script of that movie was fantastic. He was nominated for an Oscar, and he wrote Creed three as well, which we're just—I don't—we haven't seen it yet, but we're hoping it's uh, pretty good. <laughs> um, so I have more faith in this now. Now that I've seen this, <laughs> do you think uh, Bill Skarsgård is the right choice to play um, Eric Draven? Oh, I love him as an actor. Um and man, everything probably, um, <laughs> but yeah. Have you all seen Barbarian? Yeah, I've watched it. All right. Yeah, I think it's a um, inspired choice. I'm 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 highly curious about that. So I yeah, think I'm he'll a, be good. Yeah, um, I say yeah with that one. Who would you cast as Ernie Hudson's character uh, while we're Ooh. having fun with this? That you know, honestly, I would cast Idris Elba. Ooh. Ooh, that would be fun. That would be interesting. Yeah, him with his um, American accent, <laughs> which is always interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about Black Adam. Black Adam just came out this weekend, uh, I think worldwide. Uh, it starts Dwayne Johnson as uh, Black Adam. Black Adam, uh, Otis Hodge as Hawkman, Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Frey. Uh, Noah Centineo as the Adam Smasher, and who else? Quintessa Sindel as uh, Cyclone, and Sarah Shahi as Adriana Thomas, and is directed by John Collette Sarah, who directed Gal. Um, lot Thank of, you. A uh, <laughs> lot of interesting movies. Um, <laughs> Unknown, Nonstop, The Commuter, Jungle Cruise, um, The Shallows, Orphan. A lot of movies that people may or may not enjoy. He's been hit and miss, I think, for most film fans. Yeah, he had a contract with Liam Neeson there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they, uh, they must be good friends. So let's start with, uh, with the star, right? Dwayne Johnson has been cast on this role for like 15 years <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Like, he still had hair, I think, when, uh, when they announced him, like, yeah. back in the blogs. 07, if I'm not mistaken, is when he first yeah. got announced, oh, wow. before, which is nuts. Before they even had a plan for a DCEU. Yeah. 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 I do admire the the hustle that it probably took 
to get this character out. I don't know. I think this movie needed a better script. <laughs> In this world, they're heroes. I feel the pain of my city wherever I go. And they're villains. Heroes don't kill people. Well, I do. Let's start with him. He's a good Black Adam. I'm, I'm, like he's, like he. Even though I didn't like that much, how far from the comics it got. Um, I feel I I feel like as a movie Black Adam, he's like pretty great. All right, so it's just average. If I was a to say a word, average, average. Yeah, how was the action? Yeah, average acting, average. The the movie theater I saw it in, yeah, average. <laughs> we went yesterday in IMAX together. It was it was a really cool screen. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Now I saw it in um premium cinema, uh, Cinemark XD, if y'all are familiar with it. Yeah, nice. I, I would only go to Cinemark for like the first 18 years of my life. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and uh, also, I only went to Cinemark for like 20 years because they're the only big chain in Brazil. So. And I want to speak on this um, without getting too carried away. You got to be careful with um, setting up expectations. I try my best to go into every movie on, um, on an even plane when it comes to expectations. And, you know, this is The Rock's, The Rock or Dwayne Johnson, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is his passion project. And, you know, he's going all out with the promotion. And isn't that a, I'm going to test screenings and, and everybody's acting crazy. Yeah, everyone said it was like amazing, and we saw you in it. Like I saw that clip also. Yeah, and first of all, I don't think that's a smart idea. You're influencing test screenings, but anyway, that's just me. But um, so yeah, the movie is the the marketing with the anticipation. Probably, um, there's more so the reason for my review. Um. I use, yeah, basically, we're all on letterbox, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, the, the five-star scale review, I gave it three stars. It's nothing special. It's nowhere near groundbreaking. It's just your average superhero movie. And the script, like Alan was saying, um, it's just kind of subpar. The pacing of the movie is interesting. It doesn't seem as... Um, doesn't seem as long as it is, which is usually um, a good thing. No, no bad movie is too short. No good movie is too long. I'd agree with that. Like it was, it was paced fine. Yeah, and also you were talking about the writing. Uh, I don't think we should have been surprised. I, I clicked in the first writer on IMDb. Oh, I think I saw this today actually. Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Trip, uh, Rampage, and Scoob. And so why wait, are we surprised? And Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul. I've never been that big on a, as a comic reader. So usually when I go into these, I just want a movie. And the thing with Black Adam as a character is they give him so much like exposition, right? And backstory and motivation for his rage as an anti-hero. And it gets confusing as to like, is he right? Is he wrong? Like, is violence good now? Like, I didn't get what the movie was trying to say. And then these four Justice Society characters have no backstory or character arc, really. And they're all more interesting than him, if I had to comment on it. 
and they they try to give um Black Adam his you know the flashbacks. Um, like I'm not familiar with the um, well even in the comics they changed him so much they turned him from a straight villain to like an anti-hero. Yeah, I wouldn't say that his backstory in the movie was weak, but it was for him to be the lead. You know, it wasn't as didn't draw you in like it should have. Like you mentioned, I'm more interested in um Pierce Bronson character and um alan um not alan alice hodge yeah alice um <laughs> not in the movie business yet <laughs> hopefully soon <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah alice hodge like, man, every time they were on the screen I'm, I'm like man tell me more about them you know and they were rushing a bit they didn't want to it seemed like they didn't want to go the full speed with the, the black out they were playing it safe that's what i'm saying if you uh, i think yeah I think I was thinking, and so there's a villain who I thought was pretty trash in the movie. Uh, oh boy! I feel like it would have been an inter- a more interesting movie if he wasn't really a big thing, and the movie was just Justice Society versus Black Adam, and then it would be a whole like there would be something at stake, like like is killing really something that's necessary, or what is the future of um, the name of the city, a uh, Condock. Like, and I feel like there would have been more at stake there if it was a little less predictable and like by the books with the structure. And I love how the lesson you take away from this movie is like, yes, killing is okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is basically the, the lesson you take away from this movie, which is crazy. They were scared to make Black Adam a total villain. They wanted him to keep him in that anti-hero um, realm. And with him fighting... If it would have just been them throughout the movie, it would have been a much more interesting because it was predictable. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a similar thing that I felt with um BVS was a much better movie than this, especially like I the, disagree. The I, would, ult- I would rather rewatch especially, this. Especially <laughs> the, ult- the, the ultimate, ultimate edition. The theater edition, yeah, probably not. But like uh the ultimate edition I grew to like a lot more. Yeah. Not much better, but like I think it's a little better. Um, but like, they they seem to be so scared to make like this these anti heroes the actual villains. I felt the and same they, with Venom. And also. they tack in like some crap villain at the end. It's the Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? Like, yep, just like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's go fight together. Exactly. But like, I'll I'll say here what I wish again. What I wish and what really happened. It's never going to be the same thing. But like. In the beginning, back in 07, Black Adam was supposed to be the villain of a Shazam movie when uh, when he got cast. So, like, I feel like that would have been so much better. Even if you wanted to take him into, like, the anti-hero, like, role afterwards. If you had him as a proper villain in the first movie and maybe he's, like, trying to seek redemption because of, like, I don't know whatever happened between him and Shazam. Maybe they could have done like Shazam Fury of the Gods first and then lead into Black Adam. Yeah, and then like it's the story of how he becomes uh, an anti-hero. But he should have been a villain first. I feel like like you're right. They're they're pulling the punches. When like this guy's straight up murdering a bunch of people, but you're afraid to actually call him a villain. I get they're bad guys, but like still not great. <laughs> this loose cannon needs to be locked down before innocent people start getting hurt. He's been asleep for 5,000 years. 
You find us a cell that can hold them, we'll take care of the rest. Who's on the team? I didn't bring a passport. We don't need passports. We're the Justice Society. So how did we feel about the CGI? Uh oh. So you all mentioned the scene with a face <laughs> earlier. That Do was, you remember that my was reaction rough. to it? I literally went out loud like, "Oh God!" Like, yeah, Gal got squimish at the movie. It was theater. disturbing. <laughs> like, and it's it's right there up front, close. They were confident yeah. in showing it. So um. And when they did it in Captain America was so much better. And yeah. the, again, that was so long ago. 11 years ago. Like when he's flying in a suit and there's, for the most part, the visuals are okay when he's fighting and taken out when he first shows up. Yeah, okay. I agree. But you could tell um, the bad shots are really bad. And, and they really should have, yeah, um, pushed the movie a week or something. But that's what happens with these um the visual effects company um, debacles, especially what's going on with Marvel Studios and the visual effects company. But Why is this movie so obsessed in copying other superhero movies? Like, Whew, it's, a one, yeah, it's one thing it's to pay um, homage, but like there's a, there's a scene that's straight up like Quicksilver scenes from X-Men. And it's exactly that. They're, like with maybe a different song on top of it. Well, but that's to be it. honest, I enjoyed it just because nothing else in the movie was that great to start with yeah i mean they chose to do it and you know it's like you said it's a fine line between homage and just plain copying but at least if they were gonna do it they did it well yeah yeah i agree like gal said it was probably the best part of the movie there was like also um a homage to a certain 60s movie that i may have once mentioned is one of my favorite movies but um Again, it was very on the nose, but I didn't mind it just because it, it managed to lean into like the campy fun. Um, and there were a lot of like Snydery slow-mo shots, which uh, Alan also said this too. Yeah. Like, it felt like he was trying to like be Zack Snyder with the style and everything. And I was like, okay, even it's a the, little much. Even the color palette and like the the style of the visuals, I felt like we're so Zack Snydery. And like... like very 300-like. Yeah, and like... That, like, coupled with, like, it wasn't just this scene. I feel, Like, I felt a lot of times that I was like, I've seen this scene before in, like, a lot of movies. And, like, that coupled with the Zack Snyder thing, like, really rubbed me the wrong way, like, <laughs> about, like, the creative choices here. And um, there's another thing I hate. I don't know what it is, but Hollywood and its stereotype. Um... Like you said, the color palette, like anywhere movies filmed in Egypt, <laughs> they have this color palette. I'm like, come on, y'all not, y'all not over this yet. We live here. It does not I look was like in that. G Egypt two months ago. It was actually pretty. Like we live in the Middle East. Yeah. It, it, I never seen anything it, so yeah. like orange <laughs> when I was yeah. when I'm walking down the street. It's like Hollywood. Like if you're going to Egypt or if you're going to Mexico, it's gonna be. Um, there's gonna be an orange tint. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, come it's like a thing that we should have already been past. Because Hollywood, they don't do it to uh, American cities. I'm mean, like, but you know, they have their <laughs> their stereotypes. Like it always rains in Seattle, and they just it's this thing that they're in love with. But 
Or it rains when uh when a character breaks up with their significant other. <laughs> oh yeah, every time, time. Um, every <laughs> single time. To wrap up, how would we rank this in the DCEU? Oof. Ooh. <laughs> wow, that's the. <laughs> you go ahead. I got it. <laughs> uh, I gotta think about this one. Okay, let's see here. I would say, so the Suicide Squad, Shazam, Wonder Woman, Aquaman are at top. That hasn't changed. Uh, Man of Steel is probably up there. Um, maybe then I would put Birds of Prey. And then, like, I feel like this would maybe be on the same level as, like, Wonder Woman 1984. I would put this above Oh, come on. This Batman is better than Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> oh, man. That's... I'd put it above, but still, like, <laughs> I still over Batman v Superman and Suicide yeah. Squad 2016. Oh, Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition? <laughs> <laughs> um, We're going to fight here. Maybe. <laughs> and then it, I'm not huge on Zack Snyder's Justice League. So it's also there in the middle. Uh, You're a big fan, right? I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of me. I'll have to say just off the top, I'm going to um, make me like rank just, a just off the top. Like uh, give me, give us like your well, favorite. Man of Steel. I think Man of Steel is um, fantabulous. So. Man is still the first Wonder Woman. And this is where we veer off. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. Um, uh, what else would I put? So that's four. I would say it would probably be right outside of top five. Um, Black Adam. Number five would be... The Suicide Squad, I hope. You know what? Yeah, I, I got to give you that one. Okay. That's the one I was thinking. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd understand that ranking. Um, I'd also put Aquaman above Black Adam just because I actually enjoy it a little bit. Okay, yeah. yeah I can see I think, that one. I honestly think so Aquaman probably, probably is a similar sort of campy fun to this movie, but it, it leaned into it better. Uh, I think my favorite DC, DCU uh, movie is still Wonder Woman. Um, makes sense. I, I love that movie. The first time I saw it, I still love it, even though it has a weak-ass villain in the end. Uh, then Men of Steel. Uh, then Shazam. Um, then BVS Ultimate Edition. I'm sorry again, y'all. Over the Suicide Squad? Then the Suicide Squad. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> then, <Damn>. uh, <laughs> then Birds of Prey. Aquaman. Um... Then I would put here Black Adam. My vision has shown me the future. You have two choices. You can be the destroyer of this world. Or you can be its savior. That's up to you. <laughs> okay, let's let's end with, with like a fun question to all of us. If you could get any DC movie ever and to, to put it in this dcu now Th don't think about continuity nothing like that what movie would you get would you want right now i would want to get the sequel to Zack snyder's justice league um doomsday staring back at the justice league i want to know what happens after that all right <laughs> that, that's yeah. it right there how about you gal um i know it's not gonna be that <laughs> uh i want that at the at the end like sort of the infinity war endgame that would be decent um, but there needs to be a lot more before that. Um, no, but let's not think about continuity, like okay. anything, something you just love to see. 
I really had hopes for that Flash movie. And I want to say Shazam versus Black Adam, because I still think that could be fun. Or like Shazam Superman and Black Adam. Okay. So for me, maybe uh, I think ju- like your the Justice League sequel would probably be up there. But since you just said it, I'm going to say something else. Um, I would say the Flashpoint movie we never got and we were supposed to get, which is with... Do you know what I'm talking about? With um, um, what's his name? The actor that plays uh, the actor from The Walking Dead that plays Batman's dad in Batman. Jeffrey Super- Dean Morgan. With Jeffrey yeah. Dean Morgan playing a really fucked up br- uh, uh, version of Bruce Wayne of of the Batman. Sorry, that uh, kills Thomas people. Wayne. Could it be worse than the Joker version of Thomas Wayne though? No, but like <laughs> uh, the Joker in that universe is Martha Wayne. Yeah, um, and like I love the the animation and the comic uh, from uh, from the Flashpoint, and I feel like a really faithful ab- adaptation in the DCU with all these great actors would have been something like fantastic. Most of what we're saying is what would have been. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that was a really great episode. Thank you so much for your time, Sigmund. It was a blast talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, shout out your channel for uh, and, uh, your like all your social media channels. Cool. My social media across everything is Sigmund Cinema. No, no spaces. Just Sigmund. S I G M O N Cinema. And Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, and and my podcast, which is on hiatus, but still plenty of episodes for you. Um, wherever you listen to your, to your podcast, Sigmund, the Sigmund Cinema Podcast. Nice. Great having you, man. Remember to follow us at Film Fanatic Spot on like everything, I guess. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, follow, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. I'm Alan. And I'm Gaul. See you soon.